You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And very pleasant good morning, everybody. It's always good to be back with you. This is the Marlins Rewind. And yesterday afternoon into the evening at City Field up in Queens, the Marlins played the most unconventional of day-night doubleheaders. Actually, officially, it was not a doubleheader. The Marlins yesterday resumed a game from April 11th in the top of the first inning. They played game two at 7-10 last night. It was a seven-inning ball game. In game one, The Mets stormed from behind. They scored five times in the bottom of the ninth inning. They beat the Marlins 6-5. Game two with a recap. Here's Glenn Geffner. A long day of baseball for the Marlins, and uh, it did not go well. They lose game one against the Mets. The resumption of our April 11th suspended game, 6-5. The Marlins took a 5-1 lead into the bottom of the ninth. Mets scored five times to win it, and in the nightcap, Good job on the mound by Trevor Williams, Aaron Loop, Seth Lugo, and Edwin Diaz. The Mets got a couple of big hits in the fourth inning, win this one 3-1. to one. We were scoreless all the way into inning number four. Marlins couldn't cash in a couple of hits against Trevor Williams in the bottom half of the first inning. Mets had some chances against Edward Cabrera early, a one-out single in the first inning, but Brandon Nimmo caught stealing. A leadoff hit by pitch in the second, but Michael Conforto was erased on a 4-6-3 double play off the bat of Jeff McNeil. In the third, J.D. Davis got things started with a single, but then a Mazika 6-5-3 double play. So through three innings, Mets had three runners, but Cabrera had faced the minimum because of a caught stealing and two double play balls. He'd only thrown 33 pitches through the first three, and we were scoreless into the fourth. Marlins went down 1-2-3, a couple of Ks against Trevor Williams in their half of the fourth. In the bottom of the fourth, Jonathan Villar led off with a single, Brandon Nimmo, then facing a shift, hit a ground ball to the left of second base. Miguel Rojas went a long way from the first base side of second to field the ball. He bluffed to throw to first base, caught VR rounding the bag aggressively. VR would be out 6-4-6 for the first out in the inning, but Nimmo was at first with one out. Pete Alonso then struck out. It was the first strikeout in the ballgame for Cabrera and the second out in the fourth inning. He had a chance to escaped the inning facing Michael Conforto though Cabrera stumbled off the mound on a pitch went down trainer came out to check on him the manager came out to check on him and uh, Cabrera stayed in the game he appeared to be okay but his very next pitch to Conforto was not okay it'll be a 1-0 pitch Cabrera to Conforto and that ball is ripped a long way to right Mets lead it 2-0 into the upper deck No doubt about it. So one pitch after the stumble on the mound, Cabrera allows Conforto's 10th home run of the season. We'll hear from Don Mattingly coming up. Cabrera will most likely speak to the media as well after the ballgame here tonight. We'll see if that stumble had any impact. But the very next pitch, Conforto hits a two-run home run to give the Mets a 2-0 lead. Javi Baez followed with a single, man at first, for the next batter, Jeff McNeil. On 0-1, line drive, center field down for another hit. Sierra lets it get by him. It's going to roll to the wall. Baez flying around third. He's going to score in its second base, McNeil, and it's 3-0 Mets. Well, J.D. Davis would strike out ending the inning. 
That would be the end of the night for Cabrera in his second big league start. After three really good innings, he allows three runs on five hits in that fourth, and he left on the wrong end of a 3 nothing score. Cabrera, four innings tonight, seven hits, three runs earned, didn't walk anybody, struck out two. He allowed uh, the home run to Conforto. He hit a batter in the ball game and threw 53 pitches, 37 of which were strikes. Again, he was efficient in this ballgame, but he left on the wrong end of a 3-0 score. Trevor Williams out there to start the fifth inning, pitching with the lead. Sandy Leone hit a ground ball that was booted by the second baseman, Jonathan Villar. So the Marlins had the leadoff man on after Magnarese Sierra hit a fly ball to right for the first out. Miguel Rojas hit a shot back up the middle off the leg of the pitcher, Trevor Williams. The ball caromed into foul territory, first base side. It went for an infield hit. Everybody was safe. First and second with one out in the fifth inning, trailing 3-0. The Marlins had a chance, so with the pitcher spot due, Don Mattingly played uh, the best card in his hand tonight off the bench, Jesus Aguilar. The 3-2 pitch, line drive, right field, toward the corner. It's going to be trouble. It's a fair ball. Going to roll into the corner. The 330 sign, Leon is in to score. Rojas held at third base on a double by Aguilar, and the Marlins are back in this one. It's 3-1. And that would be it for Trevor Williams. They'd bring the lefty Aaron Loop on to face the left-handed batter Jazz Chisholm. And when Jazz walked, the Marlins had the bases loaded with two outs in the fifth, trailing 3-1. to one. Another lefty hitter, Isan Diaz, up next. The 1-0 pitch, and Diaz back up the middle. Loop's got it. Comes home for one. Back to first. Double play. It goes 1-2-3. to two to three. The old Sesame Street double play. As easy as 1-2-3. And Loop gets out of the inning. Bases loaded, one out, and Isan hits the comebacker. It's been that kind of a day for the Marlins. No, they'd have one more chance in this game. It came against Seth Lugo in the sixth inning. Remember, this is a seven-inning game. Lewis Brinson led off with a single. Brinson was two for three in this game. He came in 0 for his last 16 and two for his last 34, so that's encouraging. Jesus Sanchez then walked, so down 3-1. to one. Marlins had two on, nobody out against Lugo, but Lewin Diaz hit a ground ball first base side of the mound. Lugo fielded it, ran to the bag himself for the first out. Runners moved up to second and third with one out of base. It could have tied the game, but Sandy Leon struck out swinging against Lugo, and when Magnarese Sierra did the same, this one was headed for the seventh. Mets up 3-1. to one. Edwin Diaz came on for inning number seven and made very quick work of the Marlins. Miguel Rojas grounded his second for the first out. Pincher to Jorge Alfaro struck out for the second out. And Jazz Chisholm fan to end it. Jazz had three hits, two doubles, and an RBI in game one today. 0 for 3 with a walk in the nightcap. Mets take this one 3-1. to one. For the Mets, three runs, seven hits, one error, two left. For Miami, one run, five hits, no errors. Marlins maroon six on the base paths in this ball game. Aaron Loop, the winning pitcher, he's 4-0 this year. Edward Cabrera takes his first big league loss, 0-1. Edwin Diaz with his 27th save of the season. Time of the game, 2 hours, 5 minutes. Mets win a pair. They've won four straight now. Don't look now. They're 65-67, and 40-27 and 27 at home. As for the Marlins, well, they've now gone 1-12 in their last 13 road games. They have lost 32 of their last 41 away from home beginning May 28th. Miami overall 2300 55 and 78 and while the Marlins are two over at home 34 and 32 away from Lone Depot Park they're now 21 and 46 
with the two losses here today. Marlins pitchers struck out three in this game, and at $25 per strikeout, that's $75 that will be contributed to AutoNation's Drive Pink Initiative. The Marlins and AutoNation, again, partnering this year to strike out cancer in our community for the season now. We're up over $28,000. $28,075 complements of 1,123 strikeouts by Marlins pitchers. So the Mets win game one earlier today, 6-5 to five on a five-run ninth. Mets take the nightcap 3-1, to one, a good day for the Mets. A day that began with a couple of Mets apologizing for the uh, things they were saying and doing toward the fans a couple of days ago. Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor. It ends with a couple of Mets wins. Mets would like to think they've got life again all of a sudden in the National League East. We'll see how things play out over this last month of the season. And again, if you missed the mention a little bit earlier in the postgame, uh, we will not have baseball tomorrow. They have already postponed tomorrow's game with the remnants of Ida making their way up to uh, the New York City area tomorrow. Marlins and Mets will wrap this series up at 7-10 Thursday. The Wednesday postponement will be made up part of a day-night doubleheader on Tuesday, September 28th. The next time Marlins going to New York, the opening game of what would have been a three-game series. That will now be a four-game series with that doubleheader on the 28th, Tuesday of September a lousy day for the Marlins yesterday one that was promising for well eight and a half innings right Mets score five times in game one of the bottom of the ninth inning beat the Marlins 6-5 then they turn around and beat Edward Cabrera and the Marlins 3-1 to in the nightcap so a couple of the losses the Marlins are 55 and 78 the Mets improved to two under 500 at 65 and 67. Let's uh, check in with Marlins manager Don Mattingly after the game two loss. Thanks, Jason. Hey, Donnie, a long day, uh, probably pretty frustrating after the way game one ended, but how would you sum up both games? Well, kind of the first game I felt really good about, obviously, until that last inning. Uh, I thought we did a lot of good things, some good base running early, uh, guys, you know, getting, uh, getting, hits and then advancing on throws. Um, you know, we, we were pretty much doing, doing seemed like everything was kind of going our way in, in a sense, uh, just until that, that ninth inning. And that just kind of, we didn't seem to be able to get that last out. Uh, in this inning, in the fourth inning, that is with Cabrera, after he fell on the mound, uh, gave up the home run on the next pitch to Comforto on that changeup. Did you see anything different from him after he felt perhaps he was pitching cautious or did he change anything? I don't feel like he did. Obviously that it's, he did obviously give up the hits and that's really the game. That little three, you know, everything with two outs there to Conforto and then, then Javi gets a hit and then uh, McNeil hits the ball into left center and it's three runs. And that's really pretty much was the end of that. Um, in general, though, the, I think the pitches were in bad spots. The changeup to Conforto looked like it was up. I think the changeup to McNeil was up. Uh, and that's really where Edwards probably gonna, has gotten hurt so far uh, when he does get hurt is that changeup. He, he throws that power change uh, a lot like Sandy and Pablo. And when that pitch stays up, it's really more of a flat fastball that's they've taken four or five, six miles an hour off of, and it kind of sits right into the bat speed. So that's a pitch that all those guys 
they want to have depth with it. They want it to go down. They want it to look like a fastball and end up being, a, uh, you know, obviously going down late. And I think the ones that Edward throws that stay up are always going to be dangerous if, if they're up in the zone. Christina? Donnie, you mentioned about the change of Slask. Uh, he's gotten five double plays in his first two starts. Uh, just what about his, I guess, arsenal kind of lends itself to that? That's a change up in the breaking ball also, right? So the, the one that you get that, that has the bottom to it ends up being the, you know, it looks like a fastball, just what we were just talking about. And then at the last minute, it's it's got a little last second. It's got a little bit of down to it, and the guy has a little reach, and it's usually a rollover or a ground ball. So that's kind of what you get. It's like there's two worlds there. The one that has some bottom to it is is a great pitch. Uh, the one that stays up, you're going to get away with sometimes, but sometimes he's going to he's going to pay for it. I'm just curious, you know, the balance of obviously without the DH, you know, it's obviously the perfect spot for a pinch hitter, but also he only gets to go 53 pitches. Is it almost like not disappointing, but just like you wish you could see him go a little bit deeper, just because that's what you want to see this time of year. So. Yeah, that is the exact conversation that that James and I are having over there. It's like, do you let him go and let him hit? Um, but it's also a bad message to your club uh, a little bit. You know, everyone understands that we want to see Edward grow. And you know what? He's going to grow from, from four innings tonight. And that, that's going to be – it's not a, that you want, you want him to keep going and get back out there. Um, but the message on the other side of that, if you let him hit – is that we're not trying to win games. And obviously, Aggie, it's a big spot. Uh, he gets a big double for us, gives us a chance to tie that game up with a base hit. So, you know, there's a fine line here at the, the major league level, and especially, like you said, with the National League game, uh, you're down. We were in the – I think we were in our hitting in our fifth. And in a seven-inning game, you're not going to get any more chances. And so we felt that was a great chance for Aggie and that – you know, we owe it really to our players to, that we have to try to win. Let's go, Jordan. Yeah, hey there, Donnie. Uh, Leyland was the 27th man for the second game. With rosters expanding tomorrow, what is the plan with him moving forward for this final month, if you guys have that figured out? Well, Leyland's going back uh, right now, and I know there's talk of different scenarios with Leyland. So as of right now, Leyland's going back. He won't be recalled tomorrow. And uh, we got the news tomorrow's games postponed. Just any does that impact how you're going to use starting pitchers, or is everyone just going to get moved back a day? Do you have that plan figured out? Well, I just heard it after the game was over, and you know how long it took me to get here, so I haven't had too much chance to to walk through that with Mel uh, and Kim and and the, and the group. So um, we'll have to we'll have to look at it, see what it looks like. We didn't know if it if they can. We'd heard thoughts of cancellation, but. Didn't know if it it meant two uh, on Thursday, so it doesn't look like that's the case. So uh, we'll now we'll, we'll look at it and see where we're at. Christina Giovanni. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, go back to the first game. We asked his pregame if he thought it was going to feel different actually being in it. Did it at any point? Whether it was maybe the pregame lineup, well not pregame, but a lineup card, or just you know maybe certain decisions you had to make. Uh, say, start, start over, Christy. I didn't understand that one. Yeah, yeah. with the first game, just the suspension thing, you know, we had mentioned before the game, you thought it wouldn't be too different. Was there any point during it that it felt like 
you know, strange in any sense? No, not really. Obviously, other than seeing, like, you know, Georgie's hitting first, uh, Alex is hitting second, that type of thing. You know, it's not our lineup that we've been playing lately uh, with Jazz up there at the top and Miggy. Um, so that part was a little different. Other than that, it really probably played out pretty pretty good for us where, you know, Eliezer, we had him. It was a bunt situation. He got the bunt down. I don't think we, we didn't get the run in, but we did execute the bunt part of it. Um, and so it really kind of worked out okay, but it didn't really feel that much different other than just seeing the people in different spots. And what's that, um, the ninth inning or even later in the game, just was there any thought of doing a defensive substitution for Alfaro and then just also just the ninth inning? It seemed like it kind of sped up a bit. Yeah, the ninth inning, you mean defending for Georgie there in the ninth or before the ninth or during the inning? Either or, honestly, just toward the you know latter part of the game, was there any consideration of that? Uh, we didn't really talk. We 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 didn't really talk about it much. Um, we've been comfortable with George out there. Uh, honestly, uh, I think we'd use Mags earlier in the game if I'm right. Uh, so he wasn't available. Um, you know, I guess we could have used Lou, but you know, no, we didn't really think about it. We didn't know what kind of game that was going to end up being. Marlins manager Don Mattingly after the Game 2 loss and uh, I guess a summary of all of the happenings in New York yesterday. Today, tonight, tonight's game has been postponed. It will be made up as a single admission doubleheader at 410 on September 28th in New York. So no baseball for you tonight from City Field. The Marlins will be back at it tomorrow, Thursday night, September 2nd at 710. As of right now, Sandy Alcantara will go opposite of Rich Hill. That's probably subject to change with tonight's game, September 1st, Wednesday, getting postponed. So uh, tomorrow, 710 first pitch. We'll uh, let you know who will be on the mound when we find out. We'll be on the air. I assure you at 640 with Marlins on deck. And as always, we hope you find some time to join us on the Marlins Radio Network, driven by AutoNation.